I said last week that one of the things that, uh, kind of the themes I believe the Lord is leading us into this year, at the beginning of this year, is uh, one dealing with men and the proper place of men in society. I mentioned a statistic last week about the need for uh, godly fathers in the home and the impact that the male has upon the family as a whole. And um, we're going to be examining some of the men of the Bible. As we're looking at Joseph, I imagine Joseph will be at least three parts, this morning being part two. Uh, But then we will spend a handful of weeks just looking, uh, for example, one week we'll deal with Abraham, uh, one week we'll deal with Isaac, one week we'll deal with Elijah, and so on. But we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, We read through Genesis chapter 37. Uh, Genesis chapter 38 is really a pause in the story of the life of Joseph, and it picks right back up in Genesis chapter 39. We'll read verses 1 and 2 together this morning, and then get into the sermon. If you would, please stand in the honor of the reading of the Word of God. Genesis chapter 39 and verse 1 says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your sweet spirit we have felt here this morning. God, you are with us always. God, as we will see today in the very study of the life of Joseph. Lord, I pray now and I acknowledge here before these people and most importantly before You, God, that I need Your anointing. God, I pray that You'd help me to preach this morning in the unction of heaven and the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. God, that Your Word would prick our hearts. Lord, that sinners would be saved. God, that You would supernaturally remove the veil from the hearts of those who have yet to truly come to You in the free pardon of sin. God, we pray that You would encourage Your people this morning to remember that You take us through difficult times to teach us how to be the men and women of God You desire us to be. May You be lifted up and be exalted. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to start off this morning by asking the question, what do you do when God doesn't do what you thought God was going to do. What do you do when God doesn't do what you thought He was going to do? We see in the life of Joseph a story that took turns that none of us ever would have imagined would have taken place. Last week we saw Joseph had been abandoned by his family that right after... God had given Joseph this dream of being elevated to a place of prominence, to being elevated to a place of authority, even in his own family. That his brothers plotted to kill him, and then they changed their mind and decided to sell him and make some profit off of the deal instead, as long as they could get rid of Joseph. And Joseph, when we left the story of Joseph last week, his brothers had just sold him as a slave. So Joseph has now been abandoned by his family. One of the themes that you're going to see about all of the men of God and all of the great people that God has ever used throughout the Bible and throughout history is that there's always a time of testing and proving. He that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Word of God says this morning. We have been damaged by a culture that expects a hamburger in 60 seconds or less, or we want it for free. The mentality that we should get what we want, when we want, how we want, as much as we want, has crept into the church, and it has blurred our view of how a real relationship with God works. If you want to be used by God, and you want the plan of God in your life to be fulfilled, you must learn there is always a time of testing. And this man, Joseph, who was brought up in a family with 11 other brothers, 
is now all of the sudden gone. He's away from his family. His mother died at the the birth of his youngest brother. And so for most of his life, he did not have his mother. His father, who loved him more than all the others, he was now away from. And Joseph, who had been told by God that God was going to use him in a mighty and powerful way, is now abandoned by his family, living the life of a slave. Can I tell you that God doesn't do anything without a reason? I want you to listen carefully to the preacher this morning. There does come a time in your life when God will do whatever it takes to teach you that He is enough. I thank God for family. I thank God for my wife. I thank God for my children. I thank God for you all. But there must come a time in all of our lives when we learn that though the whole world forsake us, God is for us. And that God alone is enough. This is the first lesson that God was teaching Joseph. If you don't learn this lesson before you get into leadership, before you enter the place that God's called you to be and until you fulfill God's plan for your life, if you don't understand that God alone is enough and that you must be committed to Him only, if you move into a place of authority too early, you will allow the people around you to control your decision making. You will allow the circumstances around you to control your behavior until you learn that you must be faithful to God all by yourself. So Joseph is abandoned by his family. God is teaching Joseph that God was all that Joseph needed. And he was also teaching him another very important lesson. All the people in this world cannot stop God's plan for your life. All the people in this world cannot stop God's plan for your life. You are the only person that can stop it. Now, there will be enemies at every side. As David said, though, 10,000 fall to my side. There will be people all around you going down. There will be attacks from every angle, from the north, the south, the east, and the west. All of those are merely an attempt to get you to give up. But you alone hold that decision to keep going forward for God, to keep standing in your integrity, to keep being who God has called you to be, despite what the whole world does. And God was raising Joseph to a place of position and authority. God was working the very thing that He told Joseph would happen. God was working it out. And in that process, Joseph had to learn some life lessons that God alone is enough. That God alone is all that you need and that all the people in the world cannot stop God's plan for your life. I want you to think for a moment the irony of the story. Joseph had just been sold into slavery. This is the furthest possible thing from being elevated to a place of prominence and authority over his whole family. Not only is he in a different land and he's in no contact with his family, he is a slave. God will bring us to the place when we have nothing but His Word. When we are left with the decision, do I believe what God has said? Do I believe what God's Word has proclaimed and stand in my integrity or do I throw it all to the side? Joseph's life is one of amazing integrity. We saw that last week, even as a 17-year-old boy, Joseph was a man of integrity. But the reality is that Joseph's triumphs are not quite as frequent as we look at the rest of the men of God and the people of Scripture. But the Bible says this, that though a righteous man falls seven times, he'll get back up. I want to encourage you this morning to... 
If you have fallen, if you have failed, if you have become discouraged in your Christian walk, I want to encourage you this morning to get back up and to keep going and to not be blindsided by the reality that this world is not going to help you get where God wants you to go. Matter of fact, this world is contrary to everything that God wants to do in your life. But Jesus said, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And that though we are in it, we are not of it. And we serve a God who is able to take His plans for our life and work them out in everything that comes against us. Every scheme of the devil, every plot of the enemy, every trick of the world, every person that ever comes against us, God can take every bit of it and work it out for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And therefore, men and women of God, we must learn to stand in our integrity at all times and know that even through the trials of life, God is moving us where He wants us to go and His plans will not be thwarted. All the people in this world cannot stop God's plan for your life. Oh, that God would help you get that deep in the depth of your soul. That some bulldog mentality fight would rise up in you and say enough is enough. I'm going to quit letting the things of this world dictate to me what I do or don't do for God. Our feelings are too easily hurt too often. Joseph was sold into slavery. This is the farthest thing from being elevated to the position of his dream. I want you to look at verse 2. We already read it together. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Where? In the place of abandoned slavery. That's where God was. If God would only help us to see that from the beginning to the end, from Genesis to Revelation, Glory never comes until suffering comes first. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus bid us to come and die that we might find life. As I already said, we live in a culture where we want it now. I don't have to work for anything. Just want to go ahead and become a a, a massive uh, person of ministry. Want to be an extremely successful Christian business owner. Want to have a marriage that looks like the, that, that, that works the way God wants it to work, but we don't want to put any effort into it. We just want to roll the dice and hopefully wake up the next morning and all of a sudden we're that. It doesn't work that way. There was a process of being made into the image of God's Son. There is a time of patience and testing where we must trust the Lord. God was with him there. God goes with His servants wherever they go. There are those who think that because of the cross, because of the the New Testament and the New Covenant, that that's no longer true. But those people simply don't know the New Covenant. And they don't know the New Testament. You read the epistles of Peter and you'll find That our hope is not even in this world, it's in a world to come. And that we must suffer and endure hardship. We see that every one of the apostles, nearly every one of them, suffered and died. Were persecuted, martyred. And yet we think somehow we should have it different. Or that somehow that the glory of the cross negates us from having to go through any difficulties but somehow did not negate the very apostles who founded the church from going through any difficulties. The modern day prosperity gospel that you speak a word and just believe it and you'll become wealthy. That if you have the right faith, you'll never be sick. That if you believe right, you'll be completely healed in every area of your life. And this garbage coming out of the mouths of people who stand up there with eyeglasses on so that they can read their Bibles. And we don't see the hypocrisy of it. But it feeds into our own fleshly nature. The idea that 
through the right formula and through the right way, we won't have to do nothing. God's just going to make us healthy and strong and rich and wealthy and powerful. This is another message, another time, but that's really the gospel of Satan. That's the other gospel that Paul talked about. The gospel of Christ is to take up your cross and follow after Him. This morning, I want to say something. I've been doing what I'm doing now for 13 years. And so I speak from experience. If you are not willing to stand in your integrity, God will never do anything with you. If you're not willing to be faithful in the hard times when everybody comes against you, you're not ready for the ministry of God. If you're not ready to stand up and love your enemies, love those who challenge you and don't appreciate you all the time and don't pat you on the back and tell you what a great job you do, but normally they're cutting you down after every sermon. If you can't look at those people and honestly love them, you're not ready for the ministry. To be used of God requires a willingness to go through the hard times. A willingness to be a man or a woman of integrity when all the rest of the world around you is not. When your brothers have sold you into slavery. When you are the furthest place away from what you thought God was going to do. The question is, what do you do then? Because this is where the men and the boys are separated. Every boy has a dream of being something great. He just doesn't realize how hard it is to get there. And that's why very few pursue their dreams when they become men. Men, we need to be men of integrity. We need to be men who are willing to stand for what is true, to show love to our wives, respect to those that we work with, at all times and in all places, because it is God ultimately that we serve. God was with Joseph, even through suffering. It was there in that home of Potiphar where Joseph would actually learn the customs of Egypt, where he would learn the language and the ways that that, that Egypt worked and functioned. And God is with His servants wherever they may go. In Luke 21, Jesus is speaking to His disciples. I'm going to paraphrase for you. But Jesus said before all these things, they will lay their hands on you. Not that they might. Not that it's possible that you're going to go through suffering. He said they will. And they will persecute you. But He said this, it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony He said, you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, and relatives. Some of you will be put to death. He said, you will be hated all because of My name. This was to the apostles. What makes you think that we're going to fare much better? if we're going to be great for God. I have seen too many of God's people fail in this time. Too many people that God has a great plan for their life that all of a sudden it doesn't work the way they thought it was going to work and they become frustrated and they say, well, if that's how it's going to work, then fine. Somebody else can do it. This morning, may God stir any of you who have ever been wounded in such a way to get your eyes back on God, to get your eyes off of people, and to remember that your God is faithful, to remember that the Word of God declares that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable and without repentance. His plan for your life has not changed. It will never change. You, my friend, must stand up and say, enough is enough. I alone control my actions. I alone control my attitude, the way that I live, my service to God. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joseph was finding success everywhere that he went. 
And as many of you know the story of Joseph, as we read in Genesis 39, verse 6 says something interesting about Joseph. The very last verse says that Joseph was a handsome, was handsome in form and appearance. Joseph was a handsome man. We know that Rachel, Joseph's mother, was a beautiful lady, that Jacob fell in love with her and was fascinated by her beauty. Joseph was obviously his mother's son. And in verse 7, it says, It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. Egyptian women during this period of history were not at all like the women in eastern countries nowadays. They were much more free. Matter of fact, there are monuments and statues that represent much of the loose living that was known amongst Egyptian women in this day and age. The text tells us that Joseph had been given care over all of Potiphar's house. And that Potiphar trusted Joseph so much that Potiphar didn't even keep record of his stuff. He had no worries whatsoever. Joseph wasn't stealing a thing from him. And if Joseph said he had X amount of this, then Potiphar took him at his word. Potiphar said, I've I've just anything that you say, you have full authority in my house. And as Potiphar was out day by day doing his uh, work for Pharaoh and and, and his work as a captain of Pharaoh's guard, Potiphar's wife would come and begin to flirt with Joseph. Say something that typically would be said in a minister's conference, but I'll go ahead and say it here. Men, be careful when God elevates you to a position of authority. Be careful of, number one, using your power to draw others to yourself. Be careful of the reality that people hunger after power. They appreciate it. Potiphar's wife saw the authority and the difference and the power of Joseph and his own ability to even possess his own soul and stand as in integrity. And she said, I want some of that. And she came after Joseph. The Bible says in verse 8 that he refused. He said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. He has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I want you to think about that. What a response. Abandoned, alone, forgotten, single, slave. Every reason the enemy had provided to say, what good has it done to serve God? What good has it done to stand in your integrity, slave? Just Feed the passion of your lust once. Just give in to your base lust and, and let the chips fall where they fall. For serving God is did you no favors at all. It's in this place you'll find out who you really are. It's in this place. And I, I, I want to I speak on something for a moment and pray that I get it out in the way that God has put it in my heart and pray that you have ears to hear. This is when you'll find out if you're committed to God or committed to an idea. Because there is a difference. A lot of people are just committed to ideas. The idea of being some, in some position where you're teaching the Word of God and where you're doing great things for God and people are being... Uh, ministered to and people are are excited about all that's happening and, and that's your idea. Or maybe your idea 
is that God is going to make your marriage peaceful and that God is going to make your husband treat you right or your wife treat you right or, or that maybe your idea is that you're going to serve God and God's going to bring you up to a position of wealth where you can sow into the kingdom or, or maybe your idea is that you'll be faithful to God and God will help you uh, be some uh, successful business person who has influence in your community and, and your family is proud of you. If you were committed to an idea, the moment your idea breaks, you break. And most people, most people that I've come across in 13 years aren't really committed to God like they think they are. They're committed to an idea. And when their idea doesn't work, they quit. Oh, if this is part of the package, I'm not going to play. Oh, if, if, this, if, if standing up and, and being as good as I can for God and telling people about Jesus means that people around me are going to accuse me and come against me and question everything I do, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Well, until your attitude changes, ma'am, and until your attitude changes, sir, thank God that you don't. Because the ministry and the life that God has paid for each and every one of His children is not an easy life. And it's in that place when nobody's looking, when nobody else is watching, when you have every reason to sin against God, that you'll find out who you really are. Now, I want to say something. I want to take a pause for just a moment. And I want to say something that's really important at this juncture. I said it once, I'll say it again. There's not a whole lot of stories like Joseph's in the New Testament. Matter of fact, most of the stories are the opposite. Like, we'll probably look at King David. Not only did King David not run, he thought of the plan himself and concocted it in his head and worked it out and ended up murdering somebody to feed his base lust. So not what, we, what, what I want to say at this juncture is this. Men and women, while it is in that moment that we'll find out what we're really made of, understand the purpose. If you have failed in that moment, maybe you haven't went and slept with Potiphar's wife, but when nobody's around, you constantly turn on the porn. And you log on to websites you shouldn't look at. And you fail in that moment when nobody else is looking. I want you to understand something. The purpose is never condemnation. But it does us well to be willing to honestly examine ourselves in that place and realize, God, I'm not quite who I say I am. And to cry out for forgiveness to ask for God's help and strength in those moments and to really question ourselves. And here's the question, what am I committed to? Because if you're committed to God, there's never a reason. Now, if you're committed to an idea, when your idea blows up, then you'll get mad and, and you'll think you'll teach God a lesson by spending years in rebellion. How's that worked out for you? It doesn't. God doesn't need us to teach Him lessons. He's teaching us lessons. And we see here the model of victory. As Joseph said, I will not do this thing and sin against my Master or sin against God. And I want to say this this morning to every one of you who are blood-bought, born-again children of God this morning. God desires that you come to a place where you too can walk in that strength. But if you haven't, and if you have faltered, and if you have failed, don't sit there condemned this morning. Don't sit there and lay on the ground and let the devil keep his foot on your throat thinking I'm a failure. Why even try again? Learn from the lesson. Understand that in some strange way, 
While God does not tempt us to sin, God does allow things to happen in our life to teach us and to strengthen us. And while it was not God that made Potiphar come and make these advances, it was God who allowed Joseph to be in a place where it happened, and God gave him the strength to overcome. And so I'm not saying this morning that God Himself puts all these things in front of us to, to uh, test our lust and to cause us to to cause us to have desires to sin, but He does allow us to go through them to teach us where our heart really is. And if you have failed, forgive yourself. Ask God to forgive you and be willing to learn from it. And for lack of a better term this morning, man up and do something about it. Be willing to be honest with yourself. And ask yourself what it is that you're committed to this morning. Joseph had every reason, but he stood strong. The Bible says that he fled from her. And that as he fled from her, she took his robe and he fled away. I want to point out one other thing before I get to that. In the text, it tells us this about Joseph. It says that she tried this day after day. And then it says this. It says, so he was careful not to lie with her or be with her. And that simply means this. He tried to not even be around her. That kind of shows us something that's very important when you flip the coin over. I've, I've said that we have to learn to stand for God when it's, every, when it's just us. When everything else fails and nobody else is standing for God, we've got to get to that place where I will serve you no matter what. That said, make sure that it's God Himself that moved you into that time of testing and not your foolishness of running to places you shouldn't be. He did everything He could not to even be around this woman. But He had to stay in the house because He was a slave of Potiphar and that was His job. It also teaches us this principle that we need to understand in a world that is constantly coming against us, we need strength from one another. We do. It's important you're connected to the body of Christ. And by connected, I don't just mean coming to hear me preach. I mean connected. That you've got friends that are Christian friends that will counsel you the right way that you can be honest with. That, that, that you know will pray for you, that will love you, that won't see you any different. I had a brother come to me this morning and share with me a need in his life. And we sat there and we prayed about it. That's Christian living. That's Christian accountability. That, that shows the, real, the realization we need strength from one another. One of the smartest things you can do, if you've got a weakness that you have not been able to overcome, if you've got an area in your life that you constantly fail at, that you're battling and you just can't overcome, one of the smartest things you can do is get honest enough to acknowledge it to somebody so they can pray for you. Instead of showing up all the time trying to pretend like you got it all under control. We need each other. Did you know, this might surprise some of you, but I happen to be a man just like every one of you men. I'm a human being. And I have struggles. I have moments of weakness. And I have a handful of people in my life that I don't hold anything back from. Because I understand this. You can't really counsel me if you don't know the truth. What good does it do for me to ask your advice on a matter if I don't actually tell you about the matter? If I only tell you the information that will get back from you what I want to hear in the first place? I've got people in my life that I... This is a principle I understand. I've got to have checks and balances. And I've got people... In my life that I call from time to time and say, look, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm going through. And they counsel me in the right way. We need strength from one another. You need to be connected to the body of Christ. You need to understand God doesn't want you to fight this battle all alone. And while there are times that He'll bring us to that place where we're tested to see, God, are you alone enough in my life? That is not meant to be the normal, everyday pattern of Christian living. We are meant to be a family. We are meant to encourage one another, to edify one another, to build one another up in the faith. 
Joseph says there's not any way. He refuses to lie with her. If a person is going to fulfill God's plan for his or her life, he cannot sin against the God who will bring it about. This is what Joseph understood. Joseph said, I can't sin against God. She didn't bring God into the equation, but he did. Those who think they can continue in sin, they can continue to be unfaithful in the matters of God, in their mind, in their heart, in their external activities. Those who think they can sin against God and yet still see God's plan worked out in their life are mistaken. We must learn to be faithful to God. And that if God's the one who's going to bring the plan about in my life, I must be faithful to Him, I must be committed to Him, and I must not give in to the sinful desires of my life. He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? When all inferior arguments fail, that has to be enough. You know, talking to you about advancing in God's plan for your life, there's two ways that this works. One way is really negative, and we just saw that. The idea of committing adultery and having an affair and just giving in to his, his fleshly desires and, and sinning against God. But you'll also find that here, here's another side of the coin. Sometimes we advance by, oh, small compromises. Maybe joking at things at work we shouldn't joke about, knowing that it'll give us an extra edge with the boss. Maybe allowing a person to be cut down away from that person's presence by a certain group that we kind of want to be part of. And, and so we sort of laugh and cut the person down with them to feel like we're getting somewhere with the group. Maybe it's lying on our taxes so that we can feel like we're somehow uh, getting more uh, and we cut corners and we cheat and we do these things to advance ourselves. You cannot sin against God and expect God to use your sins to advance His plan for your life. And at all times and in all places, we must avoid the pride of wanting to be exalted and we must avoid the, and we must resist the flesh and its desire to sin. So, she comes, finally she grabs a hold of him, and forcibly says, lay with me. Joseph does all that he can do. He turns and runs. Sometimes, brave men run. Sometimes, men of courage run. And Joseph was just that man. But as he ran, she grabbed the cloak, the robe, and she began to scream, rape. What an interesting turn of events. When people admire your integrity, if they cannot attain it, in her situation, she was not allowed into it. Rather than rise to the level of integrity they admire, they begin to try to slander and tear down the integrity of those around them. She admired his character, she admired his integrity, and the very thing she decides to do is slander it. Joseph, if you won't break even a smidge of your integrity for me, then I will make this entire place think that you are an evil, lying man. And I will accuse you of rape of your master's wife. And this is exactly what she did. Can I say again? I've said it several times. Can I say again? Ministry is not for the weak of heart. And if you are committed to an idea 
the moment Potiphar's wife yells rape, you'll say enough is enough. There is an enemy who is hostile to God's plan for your life. Do you realize that at any cost, at any cost, the devil will do whatever it takes to ruin God's plan for your life? Do you understand? We realize how real that God is. All of you are here this morning. Most of you more than likely are here this morning because you have, you have had a revelation of the realness of God and you desire to seek Him. You desire to know Him. You're looking forward to the reality of a real heaven one day. But yet so many are oblivious that just as real as God is, so too is the enemy that wants to destroy His plan for your life. And then all of a sudden we're taken by surprise when people come against us. This was the case with Potiphar's wife. Her husband comes home. She says to her husband, he tried to rape me. And her husband throws him in prison where Joseph would spend the next 13 years of his life. A couple of final thoughts this morning and I'm done. We'll pick back up the story in two weeks. Next week's the State of the Church Address. Thirteen years Joseph's thrown in prison. I'm going to say something and I pray that it really sinks deep in your soul right now. Thirteen years. Joseph spends in slavery and in prison. Thirteen years. We have been through the story in seven days, and for that matter, about one hour last week and one hour today. So we spent two hours. And you know what's real easy for us to do? It's real easy for us to say, wow, what a terrible story, and, and, and how, how tough Joseph had it. And try to learn our lesson from that. But if you don't stop and let it sink in 13 years, 13 years before Joseph would see the dream that God placed in his heart be anywhere close to coming to pass. How much time do you give God? If you're committed to an idea, it's typically a month or two. You're going to serve God with all your heart. Not miss a church service. Pray. Read my Bible. Because you've got an idea that you're thinking will happen if you do that. And then God says, well, let's see how committed you are to me. And your idea doesn't happen. And you do what the average person does in our culture. It's not worth it. Listen to me so carefully this morning. I pray that God will give you ears to hear. It is too worth it. It is worth it. God's plan is right. God's plan is perfect. God's plan is pure. All but we must be committed and understand sometimes it takes patience. We have no patience anymore. We're not willing to endure hardship as a good soldier. That's what Paul told Timothy. We don't want any hardship at all. We want roses and the paved the path paved for us where every time we're ready to take another step, there's gold bricks in front of us to step on. We don't want the dungeon. We don't want 13 years of imprisonment. But I pray that God will raise up courageous hearts in us that will desire nothing but God's will for our life. And understanding that this life that we live is but a vapor. And every one of us are going to give an account to God one day. That's you. Every single one of you that sits here this morning, you will give an account to God one day. How patient are you on God's plan in your life? How faithful are you to God when things don't go the way you think they should go? Because here we find that this man who was faithful to God 
was first sold as a slave by his brothers. Secondly, lied on by his master's wife. And now he is in prison. And in verse 21, I want you to see it again. Same chapter. But the Lord was with Joseph. Oh, I pray that God will help us sink in this morning. When the Lord is with us, it doesn't mean we won't go through hard times. It means He's with us. Wherever we go, whatever we're going through, whatever trial we're facing, whatever difficulty comes our way, He is there. He is there and He is faithful. Often the devil wants us to feel like no one else has gone through what I'm going through and nobody understands what I'm facing. But 1 Corinthians 10.13 says that no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. The way of escape might be running as Joseph did and then falsely accused and moved to a prison. But as we will see next week, God would use the place in the prison to eventually bring Joseph before the very Pharaoh of the land. Because God is faithful and God is working His, His promise at all times. And even here, God is with Joseph. Even here in verse 23, the keeper of uh, the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. If you're not willing to be faithful to God in the prison, then God will not ask you to be faithful with much else. Now, this morning I have spoken very frank. The last two weeks, we've looked at tragedy in Joseph's life. And if you want to know the truth, it's hard to get a lot of amens. It's hard to get excited about that. By show of hands, who would like to be sold as a slave into Egypt? By show of hands, who would like to be thrown into prison, falsely accused of rape, and spend 13 years in a dungeon? And now, without a show of hands, I ask the real question. But how many of you are willing to do what God's called you to do? even if that's what it means. My prayer is that I hope so. My prayer is that you are. My prayer is that in 2013, God continues to raise up men and women of integrity here at Crossway Church who live what we say. Who act upon what we believe. Who understand that everything that you're facing, everything, child of God, that you're facing, stand fast in your integrity. You know this God can work it to your good. He is that much smarter than the enemy. He is that much wiser than all the wisdom of this world that whatever tries to come against us, our God can take it and flip it on its head and work it to our good. This morning, maybe you have fallen. Get back up. So our worship team comes. I want to ask a question. Branson, you said something a couple of weeks ago when you were preaching that stuck with me. And I'm going to say something similar. Some of you have probably tried so many times and failed so many times that you feel like this is a broken record. Like how many times am I going to hear this? How many times am I going to get the rah-rah pep rally, get back up and go do something for God? First of all, this wasn't a rah-rah pep rally. This is the Word of God that we've examined. Quit letting your heart see it that way. And second of all, here's a question I want to ask. Maybe you have heard it a hundred times. What if every single time, every single time you've heard it, is God's loving embrace to you to say, Son, I'm serious. Daughter, I'm serious. You think about that and let it sink in for a moment. How many times have you heard God speak in the way that He spoke to your own heart this morning in that still small voice 
through this message or another message or many other messages. And, and it's this, this, this constant theme. What if every single time was planned by God Himself because He loves you and has a plan for your life? I would submit to you it is. I would submit to you God cares that much. God loves you that much. May we learn from Joseph. May we learn from our failures. May we look inward and be honest before God. May we care more about what God thinks and what people think. May we care more about having honest and pure hearts before God than trying to convince everyone around us that we're so righteous. Oh, 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 oh,